This episode is sponsored by JDAQA Software Testing, your scalable solution for manual, automated, security, and performance testing. Check us out at JDAQA.com. And with that, let's get on with the show. This is the first customer hosted by Jay Agnew. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the First Customer Podcast. My name is Jay Agner. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by the co-founder and executive director of Cover uh, and uh, Active Life Company, Melissa Allen. Hello, Melissa. How are you? Hi. Hi, Jay. Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're out in the lovely San Diego, the hot San Diego this week. We were talking a little bit before the show. Everybody, I always tell people, like, I, I would love to live somewhere where it's like 70s or 80s year round. And they always say, you should just go to San Diego. So you were confirming how beautiful it is out there, except it's, for maybe this week. Yeah, I mean, even if it's hot this week when you're from the Midwest, hot out here isn't really hot compared to there, right? It's nice all the time. Yeah, I like that. Well, speaking of Midwest and where you came from, why don't we start there? Where did you grow up and did that have any kind of impact on your entrepreneurial journey? I'm sure that it did. I grew up in Davenport, Iowa. It's part of the Quad Cities. And I, it's like a working working town, you know, I have a lot of blue collar jobs, but everybody goes to work. And you know what, like one of my first jobs was, I guess probably shoveling snow. <laughs> yeah. um, so did you have anybody in the family that was an entrepreneur or a business owner, or did you just kind of pick that up later in life? Yeah, I just kind of picked it up later in life. Okay. And where did you go to school and what for? I went to first college. Yeah. Yeah, I went to school out here for biological science. Okay. What yeah. was your plan with your biological science? What did you want to do with it? Well, originally I was going to go to medical school, and then I discovered I could make a living in the health and fitness industry. So in addition to the sunscreen, I own a corrective exercise center. And what's so corrective exercise for those, including me, who don't know? It's kind of like a bridge between a physical therapist and a general personal trainer. Okay. And how long have you been doing that? 24 years. Wow. All right. Yeah. So you've been at the entrepreneurial life for a long time. Tell me a little bit about that business. How did you start that? Uh, the fitness company? Yeah, your fitness one. How did, you, how did, that, how did that come about? Well, like I said, I, I was uh, going to school, planning on going to medical school, but I've been lifting weights since I was 14 years old, I would say. So it, it was always part of my life. I just didn't realize that, that people made their living, you know, in that industry. I just never met anyone who did that. And so you decided to start your own business. And did you, how did you get your first clients, you know, your first customers uh, for your fitness company? Well, I, I took a job at 24-Hour Fitness, which was kind of, kind of ironic because when I was, I think I was 16 back in Davenport, I also took a job there. But it was like vacuuming for a free membership. I obviously didn't value my time. And then fast forward, when I'm in, in college, I took a job there as a trainer. And uh, I didn't realize that people made a living like that. And it's something that just came natural because I'd always been doing that. So that was, you know, that was 1999. Okay. Yeah. 1999. Well, it seems like forever ago. It does. Uh, so let, let's talk through Active Life Company and Cover. Like, how did you get from physical training and kind of that world over to sunscreen? That seems like an interesting leap. Yeah, and I should mention I am still doing the physical training. In that. I did I see that. Like, I was going to say, it looked yeah. like it said still present. So that's good. All right, yeah. very cool. All right. Yeah. yeah. Wearing two hats can sometimes be a bit much. But the way we got into this is our puppy discovered skin cancer on my husband's head. And both of us are real active outdoor people. I mean, if I'm not lifting weight inside, then I want to be outside. I don't want to be doing cardio in a gym. You know, I'd rather be going, you know, paddling like I'm going to do today. 
over here and, and he's probably in the bay today probably not in the ocean but you know being outdoors like that is a big part of our lives we backpack we ride dirt bike that kind of thing and so skin protection is you know of a concern my husband's very pale complexion and he never likes wearing sunscreen and that's probably how it happened he's getting a little bit bald on top and he probably got more exposure than what he realized and luckily for us our puppy happened to smell from them must have smelled different and just was obsessive about it which made us look closer and make a long story short and the being basal cell carcinoma and it was successfully removed and that's what gave us the idea to start a sunscreen wow yeah certainly the first uh guest that has ever had a dog discover cancer on my yes. call so that i'm going to show that's very interesting and probably could be a whole show in of itself so what were your guys' first steps? Like, I mean, if, you know, you're doing, you know, kind of your own thing with physical fitness and, and you've kind of been running that business, how did you go about switching from being the co-founder of a, or founder of a, a services business, which is, you know, what your, your training stuff is to an actual product? I mean, I would have to imagine there's a, a lot of difference in building a product like that. There's a huge difference. Matter of fact, I think if I would have chose the product company first, I, I don't think I would have been successful if I didn't know. <laughs> What I know from the service business, well, for, for one, I think I am better well-rounded having a product company and a service business, just for my future, because, you know, I don't have a nine to five, so, you know, I'm not going to have a pension or something like that on down the road. And I try to diversify as much as possible, almost like investments. You don't want to put all your money in one pot, right? Yep. Yeah. So how I got into that, I suppose like the first step was finding a manufacturing company that would work with us for one which might sound easy, but you don't really even know how to go about finding a manufacturer. It's not like you, you it's not even typically a B2C kind of an industry, right? <laughs> Manufacturers work with other businesses. So that's probably was my first hurdle. That's how it started there. Coming up with, well, knowing first of all, that we wanted a natural sunscreen. We're aware of sunscreen and I'd use sunscreen, just not regularly. And, and obviously my husband didn't regularly talk. We already knew that there was chemical sunscreens and mineral sunscreens. Just because, like, the industry I'm in, like, you know, I tend to eat healthier food. You know, I, I tend not to choose things that are going to be destructive to my body. And I was aware of the two main differences. And then from there, I had to figure out, like, how can we create our own formula our own, and find a manufacturer that wants to work with a small business, which is not easy. How did you tackle each one of those? I mean, how, specifically, how did you come up with the formula for something? I mean, you guys aren't sunscreen makers. So how did you become one? Well, with sunscreen, I should first of all mention sunscreen, like there's going to be a set amount of ingredients. So you can't, unlike, let's say like a moisturizer, you can't just throw things together because sunscreen is monitored by the FDA, right? Mm -hmm. So in order for sunscreen to be approved, it's got to have a certain amount of things in it. So we are kind of limited as to, you know, what we can do. I can't just make up everything and throw it in there. So you have to have like a basic structure. Someone gave the analogy of acetaminophen. Um, they said, so you have different brands of acetaminophen, like you have Pylenon, you have Bayer. And I thought, that's a good analogy. I should use that when I'm explaining sunscreen, you know? I so, like that. Yeah. And I'm sorry, what was the other part of the question you asked about? The manufacturing side. How did you guys oh. figure out what was the path to like, I mean, it's a big nut to crack. Yes. Like, how did you even start doing that? It's a huge nut to crack. You know what? I honestly, I, I, first I tried to go obviously online on the internet, but I was very limited with what I found. And then I, there's the good old fashioned way of calling people, mm -hmm. calling people, figuring out who was in charge of that. Most people wanted nothing to do with us, you know? It was very hard, but I found one guy 
in, in Florida that just, he basically held my hand at, through the whole thing. And we're actually in the process of moving to a, a much larger manufacturer now, but I couldn't have gotten going if it wasn't for him in the beginning. I mean, honestly, like, he was a godsend. I feel like I should fly out, like, like take him and his family, like, out to dinner or something, thank him <laughs> for what he did for me, you know? And yeah. looking back now, there's just so much I didn't know. I mean, I was calling him all the time. And it's amazing that he actually took my calls and, like, walked me through it because, you know, it is a process. You know, it's a process to get, say, for an example, let me just show you here, like, you know, just a label for sunscreen. You probably can't see it that well in my lighting here, but getting a label registered with the FDA is it, quite an undertaking. Most people don't have any idea how that works. And, you know, or, or UPC codes. You ever think about UPC codes or how those work or how those yeah. are connected? I, mean, yeah, I have no there, idea. There, there's a lot to this and a lot that I had to learn. And, well, here, here's an example. UPC codes, everybody kind of knows what they are. They don't know how they work. And when I first started, I, uh, I knew that I was going to need them, but I still didn't really understand like how it all fit together. So I think I Googled UPC code, seen there some companies up there that did it. And so I, I bought some and, and then I found out later, someone said, oh, did you buy your UPC codes from GS1? And I was like, no, I, I got a good deal someplace. And they're like, just so you know, you can only get UPC codes only from GS1 and any other place hmm. is a scam. So yeah, I got taken for like 60 bucks and. Not a big deal, but there's tons of places that offer UPC code, and none of them are legit but one. Isn't that interesting? That is, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> Neither did I, would, I. I would assume there's just tons of those little gotchas as you build a product for the first time, like a physical product for the very first time. Well, for, for um, UPC codes and things like that, there has to be a system that the whole world agrees on and how to track things, you know, and, and the larger world of commerce. So... It has to be something with it. whatever countries you're doing trade with, you all have to agree to use the same system or it wouldn't connect, right? And right. It, it just, it's just such a high level of thinking to be able to understand all that. It, it's, there, there's just a lot to it, and it took me a while. In the beginning, like I said, I got scammed out of some money, but luckily it wasn't a ton, you know? <laughs> yeah. So did you have like a like an overarching kind of plan that you started to develop as you went through because i imagine there's just like like you said there's so many different pieces right like yes. the packaging and the branding yes. and the upc codes and the fda stuff and the, what did you just did you have a plan early on or did it just kind of continue to evolve to where you got the end and you were like okay now i have everything i need we can go to market with this no i mean i had a plan i would say like i had a, a loose structure like i've always been an advocate of writing business plans i never go into anything like wine but there was just a lot of changes and stuff that came up along the way. And then I should also mention, I, I got a ton of help from the SBA, which mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. So underneath the SBA is the SBDC, Small Business Development Center. And most cities have them. I got a ton of help from them, and I, I couldn't have gotten this far also without them. And it's, um, they... Talk to me a little bit about that, because that's interesting. I have never really engaged with them, but I'm aware of the SBA and what it does. But just talk a little bit about maybe your experience with like finding out who they were and like how you could help, how they could help you. Cause I mean, I'm sure other people could probably benefit from things they have to offer. Oh, definitely. I, I would say I originally found out about the SBA from my fitness company, but I didn't get a, a ton of direct help other than some people that assisted me in the way of advisors. I think at the time, this was years ago. So I'm trying to remember, but fast forward to now, I just happened to attend like a manufacturing expo at the very beginning of this. And that's how I got connected with some of these people. And someone told me this particular advisor's name, uh, Diana Barbiani. 
Now, she was super helpful. Now, if I wouldn't have gotten her, and she works for the SBDC, which is under the umbrella of the SBA, if I wouldn't have gotten her, I, I don't know that I would have found it quite as successful for what I was doing. And in this instance, she worked as a sales rep at one time. So that's an intermediary that I need to get into stores or retail outlets. So she worked as a sales rep. She also worked as a buyer. So that's what every larger retailer has. They all have buyers assigned to different departments. So she understands like both sides of that. Mm-hmm. And then she also had her own business. Right. So the way the FBDC works is you can get as many advising sessions with an advisor. And I don't have to just use her. I can use anyone I want. But in my case, she had like everything that I needed. And she's just a great person. But I can make as many appointments with her as I want. And it's all funded by the government. A lot of people don't realize that. And it's amazing resources right at our disposal. I like that. I'll link some information in this these show notes about about the SBA because and also check them out a little bit more myself because I think you know there's probably some things they can help us with so sunscreen is not I mean everyone knows about sunscreen right but what how did you set out to make something different that could stand out or be unique or have any chance of standing up against whatever the hell all these million different brands are I mean I don't I use more sunscreen as a, you know, I got five kids, so more sunscreen than you know, just about anybody that I know. So like, I'm very aware of sunscreen, the brands, but how did you guys mentally kind of prepare to get out there? Like, what was your pitch against these, you know, j- just being another sunscreen brands on the right age shelf or whatever? Well, I say that we're the sunscreen for people that are active and sweat. So I guess kind of started for the reasons that we didn't like using sunscreen in the beginning. So for me, mm-hmm. it always felt like your skin couldn't breathe. It always feels like your sweat's locked in. It doesn't feel like comfortable to be sweating if you have sunscreen on. With my husband, he just doesn't like that feeling at all. Like, I use lotions and stuff, but to be typical sunscreen felt funny when you're sweat. But my husband, he doesn't even use lotion, so he doesn't like the feeling of stuff on his skin. And then from there, a lot of people think that SPF, 60 blocks twice as many harmful rays as 30, but that's not right. the way it works either. But now, having said that, you should apply more frequently with a lower amount, but SPF 30 blocks 97% of harmful rays. So for us, we want as light as possible, protection as possible. So, so I would never want to go over 30 because then I go back to the reasons why I didn't want to use sunscreen, right? Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. What about the sprays? Are you like, are you anti spray sunscreen type? Is that like, what's your, I'm just, I'm just out of curiosity. It has nothing to do with anything other, other than oh. like, I mean, personal curiosity. What do you think about the sprays? You know, I'm not anti spray, but I am anti chemical sunscreen. Most of the sprays I've seen are always chemical. And so there's yeah. all kinds of things in there that, that are harmful for the environment as well as for the person. What area did you say you were in? And again, we're in Philadelphia. Like I saw, for us, like oceans and ocean health is a big deal around here, you know? So yeah. I ended up, I think Hawaii was the first one who came out with a ban on sunscreen. And that was interesting because our idea started before that even came out. But what happened after that was you had all these chemical sunscreens. And now everyone wants to jump board and get on the mineral sunscreen bullet. And so our competition just kind of went through the roof with that you know so we didn't have the people take our sunscreen to hawaii and it was approved they, they let them in like they checked them at the airport so that was kind of a big deal interesting 
Yeah. And what did you guys do? What do you guys do to kind of deal with that level of competition? Like, I mean, that's kind of a second part to my original question. It's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of competition, obviously. And how do you, as a smaller company, even compete in a space that's just kind of, I would assume, owned by like a few really big companies? How do you guys, how do you guys make your mark in that space? Oh, definitely. There, there. It's a lot of competition. Um, you know, they are such behemoths. I don't know that we will ever be there. I mean, I would like to think that's a possibility. But for us, like, the goal was never to make like a huge fortune to retire. We just want to make sunscreen application a habit, especially for men. I mean, there's no reason why we can't lower the risk of sunscreen just by regular application. So for us, you know, helping out the, the small mom and pop shops, that's where we're in San Diego. Okay. We'd also love to be working with the military since we're a veteran-owned company. We'd like to be in, in the in the rack sacks, you know, rack sacks of everybody. And we're trying to go that route as well. So, you know, I try to do like the B2C, the B2B, and even B2G, they call it, you know, mm-hmm. business to government. And then having said that, with the B2C, the consumer industry, we do sell on Amazon as well as Walmart and then on our website, of course. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so this isn't a, a what would you do differently question, but it's more of a if you could take all the things you learned so far and you had to start again tomorrow from square one, what would be for what would be step one for you if you were going to start this business again tomorrow from scratch? Starting a sunscreen company again? Or yes, just, okay. same business again. I mean, think about that. I probably would have done more research into the legalities that revolve around sunscreen versus a non-drug product. I have other friends that own, you know, that own companies, but their product is not classified under the FDA. And so getting advice along the way, not everybody really knew the things that were specific to me because right. of the FDA. So I think I would have definitely looked more specifically at that just to have a better understanding rather than like like learning by fire, you know, later. Right. And right. so they just sort of made things easier for me to understand. Got it. Well, this one you've already touched on a couple of times, but let's switch gears a little bit. What are three kind of things, you know, physical, mental, emotional, whatever health things to kind of increase your longevity? Obviously, wearing sunscreen is one of those. Yeah. But yeah. but what are three kind of things that, that you practice regularly to keep yourself tuned up? Well, I'm pretty consistent with weightlifting since I own the fitness center. And, I, and I've been doing that, like, essentially since I was 16. I lift weights, like, three to four days a week. And I am trying to get it back into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That was always a huge part of my life. I train, like, twice a week. And some things changed where I was training, so I, so I don't have that. I'm trying to get that back into my life. And I like to be outdoors a lot, so I try to either mountain bike or paddle twice a week. Beautiful. Yeah, I love so that. that's, that's one of the things we're trying to do today. But I'm sorry, you asked for three. The other yeah. thing, I, I recently started turkey hunting with a bow. And so I, I try to get out and shoot my bow, keep that all dialed in. Huh? I love that. Yeah. That's, that's another first. No, no other, especially in, in, in California. I don't feel like, is there like a big turkey pot? I'm from Virginia originally, where like, mm-hmm. You know, deer and turkey season was like a religious holiday for everyone in my small town in, in, in New Kent, Virginia. But is there a lot of turkey out there? I don't know about a lot, and I haven't gotten the turkey yet. But yes, there All are right. turkeys. There are there's actually turkey here in San Diego County. San really? Diego County is pretty big, by the way. Like the county is, I want to say it's a hundred miles wide from the Pacific going east. So I live further east. I live like twenty minutes from the beach. 
But our okay. county is so big, and I don't even know how big it is from Mexican border up to Orange County, but we have a huge county. Right. Yeah, they're, okay. they're very turkey out here. Okay. All right. Well, that's two things. Give me one more healthy thing that you're kind of practicing. Oh, so that wasn't three? Paddling, mountain biking. All right. You can count paddling. All right, <laughs> Shooting. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll give you three. I'll give you three on that. All right. So one last thing, and we'll wrap it up. The mystery question, non-business related. What's one thing on earth you would do if you knew you couldn't fail? Anything on your bucket list, anything you've always wanted to be doing? What is something you would do if you knew you couldn't fail? If I knew I couldn't fail. Oh, I know what I'd do. I'd, I'd probably, I'd do an expedition probably around the United States, like raising awareness for sunscreen and just enjoy myself. And if I, if I couldn't fail and money wasn't an object, I would literally just drive around, educate people about sunscreen sponsor kids activities that are like sports related like i love getting kids into sports i think that's mm -hmm. you know important that endeavor and i would just talk to people give them out free sunscreen and probably ride my motorcycle around try to do it all off-road without getting on any street i love that <laughs> yeah. i love that another first all right well you're fantastic melissa what else if people are trying to find you or cover or any of the other things that you've got going on what's the best way for them to find you or your companies just go on our website is the easiest way. Just go to coverup.com. That's K-O-V-R-U-P.com. Okay. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time. I hope you get out there on the paddleboard today. I am jealous of, of that, mm -hmm. uh, but you're, you're awesome. And uh, enjoy the rest of your week. All right. Thank you very much, Jay. You do the same. You're, have a good one. Mm -hmm. See ya. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye.